Hi, my name's Karen O'Connor and welcome to this episode of the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood podcast. Thanks for tuning in. So Mark, I'd just like, just introduce yourself a little bit and tell me about what you do. Um, Yeah. All right. Well, my name is Mark and I work for an organisation called Destiny to Rescue and De- um, as you can hear, South African accent, so ahead of time, I'll, I'll apologise, although I live in Australia, I've got a fantastic, beautiful Australian wife and family. Uh, I'm originally from South Africa, and I think I'm left with this accent for life. So, um, and anyway, I'm involved in an organisation called Desi Rescue, which uh, got started out of here, out of Australia, um, 18 years ago. We're coming up to our 19th um, birthday in, in October. Um and so what we do as an organization, we operate in seven different countries across the globe, uh, mostly uh, concentrated in Southeast, Southeast, Southeast Asia. And um, what we do is we go undercover into brothels, bars, and the dingy dark holes and places people would never dream to go into. And we'll go and look for children that have been trafficked into the sex industry. And then once we find these children, we rescue them out of that hellhole that we find them in, and then we put them onto what we call a pathway to freedom. So we'll take them to our rescue centers, and from that point, we'll assess them. Um, and obviously, they'll get medical help, trauma counsel, and then we uh, then we also, you know, then the pathway branches out to whether we see, uh, whether it's best for family reunification. We'll go and see whether um, we send our social workers out to go and see were the parents implicit in or directly um, involved in them being trafficked, or were the parents totally innocent in the process, and so therefore is it safe, safer to get them back re, uh, reintegrated with their family as soon as possible? According to the World um, Health Organization, uh, um, they feel it's the uh, um, they've worked out it is actually the best for long-term health for a child if you can get them reunified with their with their parents if it is a safe environment that they are found in. And then we've also got you know transitional homes we put them through, and more residential homes if it's just not safe to go home and we'll look after them further and through our rescue centers. But through the whole process, we always look after them and we set them through on this pathway of freedom. We will help them with education, vocational training, et cetera. So that gives you a little synopsis. Yeah, that was great. Thank you. So in terms of uh, children ending up in trafficking, what's the percentage of those children where it's something to do with their parents how, how many of those kids go that you rescue go back in with, into their families oh um it, it's 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 changing but uh, um, for us um it's i would say a, a good i would say roughly a good 50 percent can actually end up going back to the parents but it might be in in a stage state setting it depends on um, uh, you know, how long it takes us to reconnect with, you know, some of them live in villages that are quite a bit removed. Like um, when I was in Cambodia, we had one of our social workers took three days to travel to get to the village they were in. And then we'll first have to assess if it's safe for them to go back. And then they still go through a process where we look after their, their physical and, and uh, needs and also their, their uh, emotional needs. And um, and then, like I said, quite a few of them, them might go through a six-month period where they go through our uh, um, our actual rescue center. So it takes it's a, it takes a, a bit of time before we actually, if we think it's safe and they've gone through the six-month period and it looks like you know they're ready to go home, then we can actually get them home and then still work through that. So it all depends on the individual case. Every child is individual. Every case is individual. We don't have just a cookie cutter thing that like, all right, one size fits all because it doesn't. And every child got there through different ways. So, so uh, we 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 do a very individualized pathway to freedom, if we can put it that way. And so, um, and so some of the some of the children, it's better that they stay with us, and and some of them will stay uh, um, because we because we've been growing and getting out there into different places. Uh, um, and finances is a big thing because we're 100 percent not for profit. Finances is what determines how much we can do. So we we've, we've learned over time we had. To where we partnered with real good other NGOs that might actually assist the specific child in their journey. Um, point in case is um, in Cambodia, we've got a wonderful patisserie that once we've rescued the children, we give them different options and they're now rescue center and we give them different options there of which pathway they want to go. And so like, for example, in this patisserie, they'll take the girls, our girls that want to go down that track and actually take them in for two years and train them up to become fully fledged patisserie chefs. 
and um, and um, uh, on the video, your viewers can't see, but I'm actually a bit of a big boy, and um, and this patisserie, this specific patisserie in Pen, I mean, their produce is just absolutely fantastic, and I can't help myself when I, you know, I, they make these fantastic cupcakes and different things, and I was just, I was truly enjoying myself there. And they actually came uh, either second or third in the international patisserie competition. This is how good quality they are. So, so the girls got uh, trained up, and once they finish, they can either stay at this patisserie and work full time, or but what what they've also seen is in the past and even now is that other restaurants have actually got a demand for these girls to come and work for them because they train so well. So this is just I'm just giving you one of many examples of different directions they can go into, and. Um, and and if I may if I start kind of in the in the in, this, in the the beginning part of the journey, how we so like I said, we've got uh, um, we've got full time in in all these countries, and I'll just maybe rattle off a few for you. Is we're in Cambodia, Thailand, Philippines, um, we're in the Dominican Republic, so that's one of the countries outside of Southeast Asia, and and then we've got a few countries that we call undisclosed nations that we just can't mention because of political sensitive reasons. The countries aren't too happy for us even focusing on that. There is a problem with, with children being trafficked in the sex industry. So, uh, um, and those are unfortunately I can't mention, but we've got then a few out there that we, that, that the same thing, that, you know, that, the, that we operate fully in. Um, and, you know, if you look in the, the numbers are sometimes, you know, you were talking numbers earlier, the numbers are sometimes very difficult because this is a hidden, illegal industry, it's very difficult to even for governments to get their head around what are the actual numbers out there. But the World Labour Organization in 2016 uh, um, did a real considered effort to try and find out how many people are, are in slavery. And in, in, in 2016, they, uh, they estimated that about 40 million people were in some form of slavery. Now, when we think slavery, a lot of times, you know, we the first thing that for me, and I'm sure a lot of people comes to mind, you think of the 17 and 1800s when when when, uh, when people from out of Africa were taken and forcibly taken and taken to America and to England and to the rest of the Western world to go and work as slaves. And in those days, it was a bit of a rich man's game in the sense of that the average cost of a slave was about between 30 and 40 thousand dollars. And where today you can buy another individual for for ninety bucks, so it's what it's. So this is why it's actually enlarged the amount of people that have been enslaved. The World Labour Organization also estimated that over a five-year period there was about eighty-nine million people that had experienced some form of slavery. So if you think of it from an Australian perspective. Um, with, with, it's, it's, uh, and, and even in, in America, it's more than half the population. If you think of just the U.S. alone, more than half of the population is enslaved. So, so the numbers are huge, and the more we talk about it, the more people actually hear, um, um, get their heads around that this is a modern-day problem. I never thought I would be living in a society where another human being is totally seen as a, purely as a commodity. There's zero value on their life. They're seen as a commodity. And, and these children, like, you know, back to the World Labour Organization, 2016 estimated that about a million children were caught up in sex trafficking alone. And, uh, and so sex trafficking, you know, the whole sex uh, trafficking industry, is, they estimated is about a 90, 90 uh, to $99 billion industry. Uh, so it's a, it's a huge financial gain for a lot of these guys. And... What we saw, so, you know, to go back is how we all started this journey. Our guys go undercover. They go into brothels, bars, karaoke bars, you name it, and, and some real dingy places, dark, dark poles, and they'll look for children and, and, and so to, to be rescued. And so we've got like four forms, which firstly is COVID rescue. So COVID rescue is where we go individually into where we we go uh, into uh, um, into these bars and brothels and we always go as a group um, and we go and act as if we sex tourists. We enter in the undercover and we look for children that have been trafficked and and um, and then once we find them we befriend them and we set them up for rescue and we rescue them out of them and then we take them to our rescue centres and I'll I'll give you an example for example uh, if I may. Uh, one of my favorite ones is, you know, when I say favorite, is, is one I tell a lot purely because it shows the plight of a lot of these girls as an example. Now, any names, if I can just say ahead of time, any names that I use are fake names. 
We do not use the real names of our girls. We protect, we fiercely protect the identity of all our children that we rescue. And, you know, I'll use a lot of times I'll say girls because uh, in the 90 percentile is, is basically of children we rescue are girls. It's, it's, and, and, you know, just to digress, we, uh, somebody asked me, why is it that, that we as a Western group, if you want to put it that way, is involved in Southeast Asia and all of these countries? And I just tell them, purely it's because we as Westerners created this problem. We go to these bars and karaoke bars and all these different places. It's people flying in from all over the world, Westerners predominantly, they're flying from all over the world. So we created the demand and so that, so supply and demand, pure economics. So I feel we have to bring, we've got to help to be part of the solution as well. Um, and anyway, so, you know, going back to our cover rescues, we, we go undercover uh, um, and we rescue the children one, out, one at a time, basically out of the, the place we find them. And I'll use the example Cassie, like I said before, not a real name. So uh, Cassie was a 14-year-old um, girl, part of a seven-strong uh, family. Um, and their family were, were farmers in a rural area in Thailand. Um, the parents started struggling a bit, and they, uh, at the age of 14, they asked Cassie, can you please see if you can just find a job just to help the family, um, and, and things were getting really a bit tough for them. And so, so she couldn't really find a job in the, in the town she was in, and so she just asked a friend, where do you think I can find a job? And she said, why don't you just go to the big city? You know, why don't you just go there and see if you can um, uh, 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 find a job there? And so naively, she thought, great. So she... She hitched a lift with on the back of a, a truck or an Australian vernacular, a, a ute, and um, traveled up to the city. And they, they a three hours trip, and they dropped her off at a, a bus stop, what they call a bus stop. But it's basically a drop-off area, and then there's like oval-shaped around it. There's all these bars, and so and these bars, and I say bars, they're basically brothels. And um, so what happened is uh, one, a mama son. Uh, uh, which is a female manager, walked out of the bar, walked up to her and said, hey, you know, what are you doing? She said, oh, I'm just from, you know, from, you know, naively, she just said, oh, I'm looking for a job. She said, oh, great, you're looking for a job. You know, I've got a job for you uh, at, at my bar. And all you have to do is, is just talk to customers. You know, that, that's all it's about. And just be friendly. But and naively, you know, at 14 years old, she's a virgin, got no idea what's about to happen to her. Uh, this, they get her inside, uh, um, and then they said, oh, well, can you just sit in this room, and we've got some clothes here, we just want you to put on, it's part of the uniform, and obviously um, the clothes that they're asking her to wear is just this skimpy type of outfit, and um, and so Cassie goes into this room, and, and, and unfortunately for her, uh, I've got to warn people now, but there's something, some sensitive stuff's going to come up, but, and what I'm going about to exp exp uh, describe to you, this happened to her five times. Well, what happened is the door opened and four guys walked in and they based, and they gang raped her um, to break her in. And and here's a girl that had no, not even, never crossed her mind ever that she would be caught in such a situation in her life. These four strangers come in and she start gang raping her and she's fighting them back and they beat her up and basically just kept and gang raped her for hours on end. But here's the, the, you know, you know that's here's the thing that really affects me. Even when I think every time about it, is just that, is that at her most vulnerable moment, at the most traumatic moment in her life, these guys videotaped the whole incident, and then sold it on the dark web as pornographic material. So in the moment of most her utmost emotional, distraught, despair, physical in, uh, uh, um, violence against her, that is spread and sold and is watched all over the world. And unfortunately, this happened to her five times after that. And so, so when we got, when we got our undercover workers went into this bar and, and, they, and they saw Cassie, and at that stage Cassie was uh, you know, a broken 14-year-old, and and you could see fear in her eyes. And our guys gently invited her to come over and just sat with her, acted like they're, you know, our cover is that we're there as a sex tourist. So uh, without blowing the cover, they sat there talking to her. And then and then 
quietly, you know, uh, quietly over time, because sometimes we've got to visit them two or three times because in the beginning they just think we're just another dirty job. So there's no, so, but after a while they realize there's something different about us. We're not booking them out for sex. We're just kind of chatting to them. And so, so anyway, long story short is we, 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 we offered a rescue to her to be rescued. And, and, um, and we explained who we were and said, do you want to be rescued? And she said, yes. And we booked her out as if we were going to go and take her to a hotel and abuse her. And um, she hopped on the back of one of our guys' bikes and just rode off with her to our rescue center. And what we do a lot of times is we'll, we'll actually notify the other girls in the rescue center. And then what happened is these girls came out uh, when, when we arrived with her and came out to greet Cassie. And Cassie was just her reaction was just utter sheer joy and happiness and 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 you know we've seen different emotions but this was like nearly over the top emotions and and so and what happens to a lot of these girls is we showed her where she could sleep and 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 this happens to so many of our girls they'll sleep for two days without you know without it just sleep and sleep and sleep because for the first time they've got a safe place where they can be in a bed that's a safe place where they can actually just close their eyes and sleep. They don't have to worry about those footsteps coming down the hall. Is that another abuser that's going to force themselves on me? And so, and so anyway, we allowed her to sleep. And we, then we just also, you know, your reaction was, we, we understand you were happy, but, 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 and then, and she's, and then she just said, well, when you guys said what you do, I actually wasn't sure if that was the truth. Because you're going to think this girl has been lied to so many times over and over. But it was so bad for her that she thought, she said, in myself, I just decided, I'm just going to take a chance. I'm going to take a chance. These guys might just be telling me some more lies, but I'm just going to take a chance. And so when she saw the other girls welcoming her and realizing this was the truth, it was just sheer uh, uh, um, relief and joy that poured out of her. And, and so this is an example of a lot of the girls we find and how they get themselves in these positions. And, and, and then... And, you know, this is part of my own story is that um, I had the privilege, um, you know, when I started in the beginning talking, our organization got started by a phenomenal man called Tony Kerwin, um, who, the, you know, like we said, over 18 years ago. And, and, and how the, the genesis of our organization was that he was sitting in a bar in Thailand and he overheard this one gentleman just at the bar uh, um, bragging that he had got offered a child to have sex with. And that really affected him. And him being a dad with daughters himself, he started looking into it and realizing this is a big problem, is, is trafficking of children in the sex industry. And, and so, and that was how our organization got started. And so, like I said, I had the privilege to go undercover uh, um, in Cambodia and Thailand, and in Thailand specifically with Tony Kerwin, and Cambodia was with, uh, with, with our other permanent undercover guys. But in Thailand, had the privilege to go with um, Tony uh, and and the head of our undercover uh, internationally, our undercover work. Um, just call him Dama. Uh, we use different names for him. And anyway, um, it, it's and to go in the undercover, and we were um, and and on this trip also, uh, our CEO Fiona Burke, and a phenomenal lady, was also involved and also came along, and she also. Uh, and so anyway, we were in this, in, in this, um, uh, this well street called Walking Street, which is like a tourist even walkthrough, but you've got all these bars on all along the sides and, and they, and they basically, they bars, but it's all, you know, they, 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 they basically prostitution. And, and anyway, we're in this undercover in this bar and, 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 and I, and I sat next to this girl and, and, uh, um, this young girl. And I started just talking, and I just, you know, uh, and I just felt I just, you know, the music's blaring and things are happening. But I just quietly asked her, you know, tell me, how, how did you get here? And you know, and and usually they won't really say much, but but she just she just felt she could trust me and talk to me. And she, uh, and I'll call her, you know, I've given her a nickname called Sugi, but that's not her real name. And I, I just said, Sugi, how did you get here? And and you know, she kind of quietly, you know, uh, you know. Quietly told me, uh, you know, that four months before me sitting there next to her, she was a happy child with a, a, at school with a ten-year-old sister, younger sister that's in school with her, and her parents are both working. Life's good. Suddenly, her dad unfortunately dies, passes away, and 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 very quickly she could see that her mom was struggling financially, 
because now it's just a one income and she's trying to look after the girls. They go to school and out of the goodness of her own heart, she decided, all right, mom, how about I go to the big city and I'll find a job there. Just, you know, it's waitressing or any type of job just to help pay, alleviate the financial stress. And that way uh, my, my sister can, my 10 year old sister, younger sister can stay in school. Um, and, and once we kind of got it sorted, I'll, I'll come back and go back to school. And so here she goes to the city, naive girl, and unfortunately the wrong guys get hold of her and they force her into, into industry, selling her little body to dirty johns that fly in from all over the world to come in and, and uh, abuse these children. And, and I'm hearing a story and I'm just, you know, inside of you, and this is what our, uh, um, uh, um, this is what happens to, you know, all of us, it's, it's always about that one child. And so you've got to have your emotions checked and sitting next, next to Sugi and, and I thought I'll just push a little bit further. And I just felt to ask her, I said, Sugi, if you were able to stay in school, what was your dream? What is it that you wanted to do? Because we all got dreams and we've all got things that we want to do. And for me, the heartbreaking thing over, you know, this horrible situation she's in and where she finds herself. But for me, what even more heartbreaking is, I don't know if people, if you've ever seen it, Karen, but when somebody's telling you a dream that they had, but you can see in their eyes and their body language that they believe that dream is forever gone, that that dream has been sh shattered into a million pieces. And so when I asked what is it that you want to do, she had, the, you know, her whole body language was already down, but it even dropped further. And she just kind of just said, oh, well, my dream was to become a school teacher. So here's a girl that wanted to be educator of the next generation. Out of the goodness of her heart to help her family, she went to find just a normal job. And she got railroaded into selling her little body to Dirty John's flying green from all over the world. And that is, that's part of my motivation, why I love being part of this, uh, this, this phenomenal organization in Destiny Rescue. And every person in Destiny Rescue have got their own story. They've been touched by an individual child that have come across their path. And, and for me is how many Sugis are out there that, that, that need our intervention and our help. And, and I've explained it, you know, if you want, like, the, uh, I use it in Australian context, and I know you've got some international uh, um, viewers and listeners as well, but in Australian context, we've got an organization here called uh, um, Surf Life Saving. So, they, uh, so, so they, they've got points on the, on the beaches, which they patrol, and if you get in trouble, they'll rescue you out of, out of the water. And, but we've got, so we've got the National Arm, and the National Arm does a brilliant job, and there's also a lot of organizations and this is me giving you the example of what's different from us than from so many other organizations that do brilliant jobs out there. But like you get the national arm and they do a fantastic job. They advertise and, and on TV and, and even on airports when you come, they'll go swim between the flags. We've got these flags set up, swim between the flags, you know, watch out for the rips. They warn people They you know, it's all about education, trying to protect people that they don't get themselves in trouble in, in our ocean, in our beautiful beaches. Um, in which that is all very important and, and that's so needed. But Karen, on the day, if you're in the waters and you're drowning, you want a lifeguard there with you in those waters. And that's us as Destiny Rescue. We go into the dark and dingy places where they cannot put their hands up and say, here, rescue me. But we'll find them and we'll rescue them out of those dark waters. And that's the biggest difference between us and a lot of organizations out there. And um, I saw a thing pop up. What happens to our, uh, um, like I said, once we rescue them, they go to our rescue centers, they get assessed. And so we, we, we give them counseling. Uh, we give them physical help because some of these schools, you know, the ones that have been raped and so forth, they'll have venereal diseases and everything. So we do a whole bunch of checks on their uh, physical health and give them physical health as well as trauma counsel and different forms of counsel to help them with the psychological ramifications. And and every child is different. Every person is different. You, I'm different than you. I, I process trauma differently than you. And and, and so it's not one, one size fits all again. There's different ways. We'll use art therapy, a whole bunch of different ways of, of helping them work through, through this. But part of our focus for them is to focus on the fact that this horrible thing that's happened to you, you that should not define who you are. And that's why we're as Destiny Rescue. We always put them on the path where they can choose their own destiny. We give them the tools and the help to be able to do that. 
um, you know, case in point is is what uh, 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 we had in, for example, Cambodia. Um, we've, we we've got a in our rescue center there. We've got a in-house um, basically vocational training, which if the girls choose, they can go on to that, and that's like that's a, up to a two-year program, and that's in in, in uh, um, um, beauty beauty therapy. And so when I uh, and and running their own beauty salon, and and so when I say beauty salon. Uh, um, you know, it might be mean different things for different people, but in that context, it is based basically hairdressing. It is um, manicures and pedicures, and it's makeup and and so forth. Um, and for me as a bloke, I don't know too much about it, but <laughs> it, it's uh, when I was when I was in Cambodia, they painted my nails these this vibrant purple color, and then hid all the things to take it off. And I was walking for two days around with this vibrant colors. But anyway. Uh, that was their form of having fun with me, but um, and so, but yeah, so we train them up to do that, and uh, you know, we've got so many examples of it. But you know, one of the examples was these two uh, sisters, and and it's very, it's a very unique situation to actually rescue two sisters at the same place. A lot of times they get split up into different places, but the two sisters were together. We rescued them out of the horrible place they found themselves into, and, and rescued them out, and they went through this program, and when they graduated and finished and they were it was safe for them to go back to their village um we actually helped them set up uh, uh, we gave them all the tools all the equipment everything to start up their own little salon there and they went back to their village and they started up their salon and and obviously you've got to think on third world terms so it was kind of it's like a, this wooden shack with a sail like this canvas thing right in front of it that drops down when they when they're not there but there, there, that little shack became the main point for any anybody in the village to go and do their hair and makeup and everything. And these girls flourished, and they and they did so well that they not only looked after themselves, but they were able to help their 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 family as well, look after their whole family. So it's it's like I said, there's so many different avenues we put them through. Um, uh, and um, I'll, I'll jump back maybe to, to other examples of that, but I wanted to just finish, you know, with the different forms of, of rescue we've got. So we've got the COVID, then we've got the raid rescues. Raid rescues is where we, we uh, um, our undercover guys go in and they, uh, they get uh, build basically a case. And, and they'll actually get information together to build a case. And then when the, we've got enough information together and we've got, we, we've got this case ready to go, um, we... Uh, um, what happens is that we um, uh, uh, we'll organise a raid with either local or federal authorities in these different countries, and so uh, um, and you get certain specialist uh, police units that deal with trafficking in these countries, but they'll work with us hand in hand. And what happens is we'll set up a raid, we'll get all the information, and they'll the police will come us with us involved. We'll raid the whole place, shut the whole place down, and. And and the perpet the managers and the owners of that go to jail, and or everybody that's been trafficked in in that institute gets set free. So, and and part of that is we've had a kind of a variant happen through uh, you know started started with COVID and everything. With uh, it's amazing how these criminal elements will adapt and go online very quickly and. And so we had our first, so we started going into cyber rescue and we had our first cyber rescue was a, uh, we rescued a two-year-old boy. Uh, and what happened is that um, the police in England raided a pedophile, suspected pedophile's house. They found on his phone this pornographic material of uh, adult uh, um, uh, abusing a two-year-old boy. And what this was, was actually the stepdad of this boy was abusing this child, kind of like nearly on demand and selling this material uh, on online on the dark web. And so they worked out, the police there in England worked out it was from the, uh, they believed it was in the Philippines. And so they got, got hold of the National Bureau of Investigation in the Philippines, who in turn then got hold of us and all three agencies worked together on this. And so we, we we got onto the into the dark website that was being used and started communicating with this 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 the stepdad and um, and then basically set up a sting where you know I won't go into too much detail not to give too much away, but we set up a sting where at a hotel and um, we ahead of time had cleared the hotel lobby, got their permission to be there, cleared the hotel lobby, and it was our agents 
Destiny Rescues agents, it was um, the National Bureau of Investigations agents, and also uh, English Federal Police that were there on site, you know, acting like they're milling around, just normal uh, patrons of, and we were waiting for this gentleman, and he came in and spoke to the Destiny, undercover Destiny Rescue agent, and brought his two-year-old boy, and basically uh, got money from us to go and have sex with the child upstairs in the hotel room, and handed us over this two-year-old boy to go and supposedly have sex upstairs in a hotel room. And at that moment, as soon as he handed it out to the child, ourselves plus the NBI and the English police formed this human barrier between him and this child. And I'm happy to say this, this the stepdad and the mother was implicit as well, got both put into, uh, taken to custody. And this two-year-old boy is in safe hands and in safe environment and getting all the help he needs. So that just gives you another example of the different forms of raid rescues we've also got. And, and for us, unfortunately, we see the dark side of humanity. And so we've seen, we've seen from, uh, from, like I said, two-year-olds, every single age. We've rescued every single age right up to past 20. And, um, and children are a focus, but, you know, it's just like using the same analogy if somebody's drowning in the ocean. But if we come across traffic individuals and they're over, uh, they're not children anymore, we'll still rescue them. Because it's not like you're in the ocean and somebody's drowning. You go, oh, excuse me, what's your age? Oh, sorry, too old. Sorry, bad luck. No, we'll, we'll rescue. If they come across, but I'll focus on children. But if we come across uh, adults that have been trafficked, we'll, we'll rescue them as well. Um, and and then, uh, um, then we've got a... Inter, uh, another form of a rescue is interventional rescue. And, and and sometimes we'll also, what we do is also part of interventional rescue is is, is, is like you intervene before uh, something happens. Uh, um, and there's different ways we'll do that. But we'll have, even part of it is in education. Is if, if we see that a lot of people are are um, are being trafficked from a certain area, we'll actually send in our, send our, our community workers and actually go and educate the community about the dangers of of trafficking, and um, and so in the interventional, uh, but there's also other forms of interventional. Is when people, um, because we've got our uh, agents in different places, if we see that there's there's somebody that's at risk to be trafficked, we'll actually intervene ahead of time into it. And and in India, uh, um, uh, this um, with the inter with interventional uh, trafficking, there, there's different forms, but um, one example is there's temple prostitution in, 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 in one of the nations. And what they do is it's, it's, it's illegal, but the local authorities turn their blind eye to it. And what they'll do is they'll force uh, children into becoming temple prostitutes. And it's as a form of worship, people will go and pay and sleep with the temple prostitutes. And so, some of these places you'll find that the the businessmen will want to be the first ones to be able to go and sleep with this child. And they see it as a, you know, so they'll pay extra money to be the first one to basically break this child into it. And so we've had cases where family members would come to us and, uh, and they'll actually ask us if they could, if we could intervene because their family's being targeted to, uh, by the community to push their child into temple prostitution. So those are one of the forms of interventional uh, um, rescue that we do. And then another one is uh, border rescues. We've got a nation. We were rescuing so many children in one nation that we set up a, a border a border pass um, uh, with 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 the government um, of this nation to stop uh, to stop them before they get trafficked across the the border. And so what 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 this government um, and I'm just using. Um, Basic terms because I don't I don't want to give away which which part of the world it is in, but um, we've got they allow us to actually have our staff will be permanently on these different borders posted at these different borders and they've given us actually office space in the in their border uh, stations and they've given us the authority to actually walk through buses and through taxis and if we see anything sus we'll actually ask these people to remove out off the bus out of the taxi out of the car. And we'll go and interview them separately. So, and, what, and what, what do you think? How can you tell when something's suspect? What What are you looking for? Our, 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 our and, 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 and it's it's ladies. We use, uh, our, our staff are all female. Um, they've been trained up. They know what to look for. 
there, there, there's some clear telltale signs. And, uh, once again, I'm not going to divulge all our <laughs> little secrets, but yeah. they, they, they've got ways of knowing. And we're that successful that we rescue, we stop uh, 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 children and even adults being trafficked. It will be minimum one a day, every day, that we stop being trafficked across the border. And um, and so and, and so, what happens? I'll give you an example. Uh, um, uh, uh, we, we, this one girl, um, she's one of the examples that's over over eighteen. She was actually twenty one years old. Her and her dad were on a bus traveling, and he was traveling for work, and she just wanted to travel with her dad. So she traveled with her dad on this bus, and they met this guy who was a businessman, and he just was very interested in the daughter and told her dad, "Listen." Um, if she wants, I I, I live uh, um, I, I just live uh, um, across the, the border in a neighboring country, and I'm a businessman. I own lots of businesses. How about she comes and works for me? And he was telling these fantastic figures, and the dad and the and the daughter both thought, man, their their prayers have been answered. They've got this fantastic opportunity coming, and uh, so this businessman said, here's my business card. Call me. Go and organize your passports. Go and organize your passports. Let us know, and we'll organize your visas and everything. But yeah, just let us know. So they went as soon as they got home, organized their passports for her, then contacted them, this gentleman, and he sent um, supposedly a lady who was working for him. But uh, um, and she she went and came and got the passport and said, okay, she'll organize the paperwork and pay for the visa, uh, you know, <coughs> sorry, and um, pay for it all uh, to bring her across. And so she was on a bus about to just cross the border. And on the other side of the border was one of the most notorious cities where people disappear forever in the trafficking industry. <clears throat> and she was just about to cross when, our, when our, one of our ladies saw her and just thought, no, something doesn't look, something just doesn't look right here and asked her to come off the bus. She was told by this businessman to, to, um, to lie about why she's going there, and and you know that should be a red flag. But so so she finally said no. He's offered me a job. Blah 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 blah. blah you know, told the story, and we started explaining to her that that's a trap. You're about to be trafficked across. As soon as you go over the border, they'll get their hands on you. You'll disappear. And 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 we started giving her examples. And anyway, we contacted her dad, and he was so relieved that we just stopped her from this. From disappearing out of their life forever, um, and and they actually opened a case against this gentleman, and he tried. He got all of their number, tried to find, bribe them to drop the case and different things, but he then disappeared in the woodworks. So sorry, I've got a bit of a <coughs> frog in my throat. Um, and then, and then, so what happened is um, we stayed in contact with her. She went back to her family. We educated the family about the dangers. And that you just can't trust anybody, basically. And 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 but anyway, we found out. You know, we actually helped her uh, um, to to find uh, going to a training organization for, and she trained up to be a police officer. So she's a police officer now in 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 the, in that city, and and helping others, and, and and helping others and protecting her local community and protecting other girls from being trafficked across the border. So uh, so that's. You know, and that's our border, uh, our border uh, rescues. Is, and we we actually found a, 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 a another hotspot on that border where we want to actually start a new work and actually uh, stop people from being trafficked across that specific point. So, as you can see, there's so many areas that we are involved with, with trying to find these children and, and rescue them. We started counting in officially started counting in 2011, uh, and since then we have rescued for, uh, over 5,300 individuals. And, and took their lives out of being a sheer hell and uh, put them into a position where they could choose their own destiny and go for you know go after their own dreams and um, and and so you know if if, if I may uh, um, uh, we've got so many examples of of, of, of children uh, um, that 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 we've uh, allowed them to pick their own destiny hence this their rescue and and um, if you if you don't mind I'll just give you two examples. But there's so many. Um, but but one of the examples was we had this uh, girl, uh, um, and she she was actually in our Cambodia um, uh, rescue center, and our social workers were seeing that she wasn't really interested in any of the programs. That she was not taking to anything, but that's all in her own private time. She was there and she was doing drawings just on a piece of paper, and they saw 
they realized that was the key for her. That was where her passion was, was, was art. So, so we as Destiny Rescue uh, um, actually enrolled her into uh, art school uh, in Cambodia. Um, and this was in Phnom Penh. And, and, and this art school was, the, was like in the Japanese style of art. And, um, and she really excelled, worked hard, excelled in it. And once she graduated out of that art school, um, we then, uh, as Destiny Rescue, we found out there was an international um, a, a, a studio, movie studio that was coming and actually uh, and starting to uh, uh, looking to want to start up a digital animation studio in Cambodia. And um, so, so what happened is we, we, we got her an interview and they interviewed for just a handful of interns and she got accepted as an intern. Um, and then they trained her up in-house, obviously. And then, and and then, uh, very happy to say that end, uh, at the end of her intern period and in her training period, they gave her a full-time position, and she obviously accepted it as a digital animator. So, and so yes, and so uh, you know, we 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 try to see which is the best places to go, and and then we've got other girls that they're already old enough; they still children, you know, teenagers, but they're old enough where they need work straight away. Um, sometimes we'll help families with even financial stipends help to if, if if the child wants to go back to the family and it's safe and all that we'll actually even help them financially for a year just to get their uh, themselves back on track and make sure these kids get hooked up either with education or other groups to help them with education there's so many very i mean hundreds of ways like i said we've got an individual pathway of freedom for every single child and we work out what is the thing that really makes them tick and work for them um, and then I'll, I'll, I might just finish off with uh, uh, one of my favorite, favorite examples. Uh, uh, probably now, a couple of months ago, I was talking to the head of our, um, which I mentioned before, Damo, uh, the privilege to go undercover with. Um, I spoke to him and um, he, was, he was talking to a couple of us and, and asked the question, you know, what's the one story that stands out for you? And, and I mean, he's literally seen hundreds and hundreds of, of and and him being head of the uh, the international head of our, uh, our undercover rescues, he said, well, what happened in the beginning days, what he had done is he had set up a, a basically a barrier to protect the undercover guys as well as the girls that we rescue, that once we hand over, the undercover guys hands over the children to the to the, our social workers and, uh, and et cetera, at the rescue centers, there's no more um, contact between the two. So it's kind of to protect everybody's identities, et cetera. And... So he said the problem frustrating for him was he was um, he was in, uh, um, he was traveling uh, from uh, um, Thailand to one of our neighboring countries and he, so he traveled he, he came in from northern Thailand into Bangkok and the next morning he early he had to fly out so he stayed in in a in a motel in the in the international airport district which is mostly industrial area and so he was staying at this motel and it was one o'clock in the morning. He was tired, but couldn't sleep, and he was thirsty, and he remembered there was a 7-Eleven down the road. So he was just walking down the road, but he was kind of in a bad mood, he said, and he was kicking stones, and he was whinging and moaning and complaining to himself and going, I know we make a difference, but all we really make, you know, he was just having a real bad day, and he didn't want to fly, he, and he was just having a real bad day, and he's like, and he's literally muttering to himself, you know, what difference are we making an impact on this? Oh, you know, what's... Well, what's the impact we have? Uh, you know, I know we have, but because there's been this disconnect between him and and what happens to the girls, he just, you know, you kind of lose sometimes a little bit of perspective. And and he's just complaining, walking down the street, and he sees the Seven Eleven lights, and 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 but he sees these two figures standing under the Seven Eleven glow of the you know the sign, and can't make out who they are. But next minute, from those two figures, he just hears them yelling out his name, going Damo, Damo. And he's like straining his eyes. The next minute, he sees these two figures running towards him, full tilt. And as they came basically upon him, then they just jumped on him. And he realized it was two girls that he had rescued five years before in northern Thailand that he personally was involved with, with their rescue. And he's got these girls, and they're giving the biggest hug. And he, <coughs> after they compose themselves and him, and he, he's talking, and he's saying, what are you girls doing here? You know, and and... And they said, oh, didn't you know? They said, no, we, and they pointed in the direction. And they said, you see that hospital there? We work as nurses there. And he's like, and he said, tell me more. And they said, oh, well, after you dropped, uh, you know, after you rescued us and put us in the rescue center, the rescue, the rescue, 
worked out which direction we wanted to go after helping us with everything else and actually paid for us to go and study even become nurses. And so here he is just at that moment, crisis point, you know, going, oh, you know, and, and, and just it's so solidified for him. What we do makes a difference. What we do with not only rescue them out of hell, which obviously makes a difference, but the long-term effect of, of, of the programs and everything we, tr we work with these uh, individual pathways of freedom, that it makes a difference for these individuals. And, and, and the amazing thing about the story is, um, is, is, that, is, uh, 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 is that at that moment, he realized there was a couple with, with these two girls and they turned around as this couple kind of walked towards them. And they said, they said, this is the guy, this is the guy we just spoke to you about. He's the guy. And so at that moment, talk about serendipity, at that moment, they are explaining to this couple how they found themselves in Bangkok, their story, which they were happily to tell their friends. And they're talking about this guy that rescued them. And here he walks up in the, in one o'clock in the morning, in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. But that just so, that was for him such a turning point in himself internally about, yes, we, we might not, you know, him as a rescuer might not know each individual story, but there is a story for each one of these girls. Uh, and even the, the few boys that we've rescued, there is a story for each one. Each one's got a destiny. Each one's got a future. This is, this is not the end of their journey, what's happened to them. And it's diabolical what's happened to them, but that's not the end of the journey. They, all of them have got a destiny, and that's why we call Destiny Rescue, to rescue them back into their destinies. And so, yeah, I, listen, I can talk... <laughs> <laughs> underwater for hours about this so i'm not sure how we're going with time but yeah, we, got so. about, we got about 10 minutes left i reckon um, <laughs> so so there was a couple of questions asked the first sure. one was about um and this is off topic a little bit but yeah, yeah. how does this relate to the mainstream mainstream pornographic industry um Oh, it, it definitely does. And porno, pornography is, is, you want to say, it's the big elephant in the room. It's like, and we find, we found even more so right now with COVID, people would think, oh, COVID restrictions, uh, you know, that they were bringing a respite for these kids, but no, it didn't. And a lot of these criminal elements move much quicker than what we do. And a lot of them jumped up onto social media platforms and, and also basically, a thing that was, a, it's been a growing thing, it would be even uh, um, abuse on demand. So they'll have, through dark web, we'll, 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 we'll have people hook a line and, and then they will kind of nearly be like directors instruct how these guys should abuse these kids. And then they sell that as porno pornography. And there's some well-known pornographic sites out there, um, for, for, you know, not wanting to be sued, so I won't say any specific names, but just think of any of the big ones you can think of, that they have, uh, whether knowingly or unknowingly have been propagating some of these materials of these girls being raped and they'll just put and the people sell it and post it online so unfortunately uh, the pornographic industry has definitely got a clear role to play in this and the other thing we've got to also realize is that you'll get people that are you know uh, uh, you'll get people that uh, start uh, uh, I, I spoke to a psychologist once, and and he said part of the thing when is is that you'll get these uh, um, you'll have pedophiles that will watch pornographic material, and that will actually just make the the thing inside of them grow bigger and bigger, and un, need to be satisfied more and more, and and that's why they and then they fly over to these countries, and they go and live out these fantasies that were created through the the pornographic material. So. That line, we can be talking for hours about the effects, the cause and effects of pornography in this industry. So, yes, it's definitely got a major role to play. And, um, but we as this industry, obviously, we, we're, trying, we're using all different means to stop this and put a halt to this and make an impact on this illegal industry. Good question. So before I go on to the last thing, I've got to apologize for the inappropriate giggle that was because Dawn Bates yeah, yeah, I totally, yeah. this. So that was what I was giggling at. Yeah, but the yeah. other thing I wanted to ask before we wrap up was Louise, Louise asked, would fundraising events and functions for your organization be helpful? I mean, yes. 
Yes, uh, definitely. Yes, 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 Louise, definitely. And then, uh, you know, to go to back, we are a hundred percent not-for-profit organization. We registered not-for-profit organization, um, and uh, and people, so people get tax exemptions for what they give to us. We we don't get funded by any governments, although we help a lot of government, you know, federal police and uh, agencies in different countries. We don't get any funding from any governments anywhere. So we're 100% reliant on wonderful donors and donations and fundraising events. So yes, 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 please. Um, that's the more, basically in terms of our setup is such that we can upscale so easily. The more, more money equals more rescues and more of, inter, like, like I said, we've been doing this for 18 years. And so for me, and, and here's the thing, and I know I'm talking on behalf of all the other staff, I started, my journey started actually as a donor. My, my, my wife and I were donors of Destiny Rescue. One of my best mates were one of the first ones to move his family to Thailand. And we got behind them and donated money. And that's how I started. My, that's how I got introduced to Destiny Rescue. And then one day I got the call wanting to know, Mark, do you want to do more? And I, I mean, they haven't even finished the question. I said, yes, sign me up, whatever it is. And then I just said, well, sorry, can I phone you back? I need to call my wife quickly. <laughs> This is a bit of a big career change, but yep. uh, oh, and 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 I'm, and and can I say I'm still a donor. I still, out of my money, donate money to Destiny Rescue because I can see the actual effect, and it's purely finances that determine how much more we can rescue. And so, yes, the question, the answer to that question is yes, 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 yes. And 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 a lot of times we, uh, you know. Not to want to bring the down, but unfortunately, can I just share just one quick little story? It's it's a bit of a sad one, if that's all right. And I don't want to end with it, but just to to kind of illustrate my point is why finances is such a crucial part in this journey of freedom for these kids. Is that we had set up a, a, a we had set up a raid rescue, um, and we knew there were about five or so uh, um, under eight uh, children, and. And unfortunately, finances were, you know, because finances go up and down, and there was a bit of a, a bit of a slowdown of finances, and and our rate rescues cost quite a bit of money. Rate rescues cost, on average, about ten thousand dollars, because there's so much involved in getting it all together. And the, the and some are higher, some are lower, but the average is about ten thousand dollars. And then there's also for individual rescues, our cost is about fifteen uh, one thousand five hundred dollars. Um, that doesn't include any aftercare or anything like that, just purely for the actual rescues. Um, and so that's why fundraising projects and all of that is so immensely helpful to help us with this. But anyway, uh, we were there was just a holdup of uh, funds were coming through, but just a little bit slower. And so they, we had to postpone the raid by about a week and for this specific raid. And so we finally everything came through. We got everything we needed for the day because on the day there's a lot of costs involved. We did the raid, um, but unfortunately um, we realized there was one 12 year old girl missing. And so we started looking for her, put the word out. And unfortunately for us, um, uh, the little 12 year old body was found ditched in, a, in an alleyway. Four guys had booked her out the night or so before we got there. Uh, raped her and killed her and just chucked her little body on the side of the road. So for us, believe me, from us, we know the actual effect of finances in our organization. So yes, please. My my biggest thing is yes, please. Anybody that can help with donations. And we've got different forms. We've got rescue partners where people give monthly donations. That helps with cash flow. Then we've got people that will do fundraising events and therefore create a one-off or do a combination of it. Please talk to me. Um, I would love to, to talk to you guys about it. Um, if you don't mind, put my email address there as well, um, Karen, on it, so that people can can can, can get hold of me. What is it? Tell me what it is, Mark. It's Mark. Yeah, I'll tell it right now. So it's Mark, M-A-R-C. My, my, although South African, my mom liked the French name, so I got the French Mark. Um, <laughs> and so it's mrc.nus, that's N for November, U, double S for Sam, um, yep. at destinyrescue.org so mark.nus at destinyrescue.org and um, if yeah please t tell them to get hold of me um, and also if if, you, if there are those that want to go onto our website uh, you know which is www.destinyrescue.org if they if they can hop onto it and if they want to for example just give straight away there is a donate button but 
can I please, just a pretty please, in their comments, there should be a comment section, please refer to your podcast. That'd be amazing. Uh, so uh, it'd be amazing to see where where our donors come from and that's come from this podcast. Um, because I'm always hoping that people listen to this and that it inspires people. Um, I, I'm a great believer of action, and that's what draws me to of, of action in what we do. Uh, is we can't just look at a problem and go, oh, this is a bad problem. Oh, so, but we've got to, what do we do? Does, does it motivate me to action or does it or do I just go, it's a, it's a problem? And that's what motivated my wife and I. I, I like, and I like organizations that get their hands dirty, that get in there and actually do. And that's what drew us to Destiny Rescue. You know, and, and, and hear my heart, I'm not trying to bag any other organization, but I like organizations that get right in the, in the heart of it and deal with them, get their hands real dirty, and, and, and that's their, their rescue. We'll go into places people would never dream going into, and we'll find those kids, and we'll rescue them out there. I, I have to say that the big thing that I found really touching was the fact that the emotional strain it must put you guys under going in there and rescuing those kids and keeping doing it is phenomenal so yeah i just but like, like i said each one of us each one in this organization whether it's from admin staff to the actual guys that go undercover to our social workers we've all been touched directly with, uh, with, with 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 one of these lives and for me it was sugi but there's hundreds, hundreds and you know of lives and thousands of lives that affected all of us. And then there's just stories like I said, the, that one girl we missed that we could have rescued her, that one girl. And mm -hmm. and even for if you talk to the our gentleman who's in charge of the Philippines operation, his his own one story is when he rescued this one girl, 14 year old girl, rescued her out of a hellhole. And she she was so excited when she got rescued, and then she suddenly turned her face turned to the sternness, and she slapped them, and she said, "Where were you four months? Where were you four months ago when they pushed me into this? Where were you? Where were you?" And that's that drives him. It's those girls that that we haven't found yet, the ones that we've not had the chance to get to, but we will get to them and rescue them. Anyway, I, I, I love this organization. <laughs> so yes, please. If anybody can help us, that's that's it. Is 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 money, and and that's and 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 I, I've got a friend who's an accountant, and I spoke to him, and he's a he's a he's a he he gives money. He donates money actually on a monthly basis to Disney Rescue. And I just asked him. I said, mate, I'm so happy. Thanks for doing it. You know, and and, and we were having a chat. And he said, Mark, you don't understand. He said, I work in a job where I've got just figures and what people see as a very boring job. But he said, inside of me, I'm knowing at that moment, while I'm sitting doing somebody's taxes, I'm also at the same time rescuing a child out of a hellhole that is, she would have not been able to do if it wasn't for somebody like me giving money to an organization like you. So that's in the end, that's what it is. It's a partnership. And so we would love to welcome anybody else to our family. Oops. I'm getting excited. I just kicked the table. <laughs> I would join our family, become a part of the solution. And the other thing is spread the word. Like oh, for me, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I've well, that's had why... such a problem getting this the word about this out there. You know, um, it's yes, been really uh, difficult. I, I know because uh, with uh, social media organisations, they just like you just mention the topic, they just boot you off without even looking at what you're doing. And, and mm. I've had the same problem with my own <laughs> Facebook uh, battle ages just to get back onto it. Um, but, yes, spread the words. Uh, you know, for, I would say for your listeners, spread this specific podcast, spread it out. Yes, we might have had technical difficulties in the beginning. Who cares? Just spread it out. Let people tell people, hey, in the beginning I get a battle, but just press through and listen to the rest of it. And, yeah. But, yeah, that's another great way. Spread the word. Uh, get it, share get the it to your own. Yeah, share people. it. Share it. Uh, yeah. Definitely share share the stream uh, through your social media platforms any which way you can. Email it to them, whatever. If if, if it looks like it's not, be, you know, if some social media never boots it off. Just share the link through <laughs> through yeah. uh, through your email addresses. But yeah, that's another thing is education. Share it through. Hopefully, people will realize what a big problem this is. But there there are solutions for it. And yeah. um, but I just want to once again, Karen, I want to thank you so much for honoring me for having you me on your wonderful wonderful uh, um, podcast and also the stream i really appreciate it you do a phenomenal job and thank you so so much from the bottom of my heart for giving me this yeah. opportunity to talk about destiny rescue 
You are welcome. Least I could do, honestly. We've got to get the word out there. Yeah. Oh, totally, definitely. But thanks for helping us getting the word out there. Yeah, yeah, Deborah's. Up. We're we're going to finish up now because we've been talking yep. for over an hour. Yes. But a couple of people that who want to connect with you. So I've put Mark's email address in there. He is on Facebook. So if you go through my friend's profile, you'll find Mark there. You connect. You can connect through and through that as well. But please, everybody, just share. Just share this podcast, this live stream, whatever. Just share it and let if we can all get in touch with one or two people, that's great. Because it seems to be all I've been able to get in touch with. <laughs> it's not being shown yes. to anybody. So, yeah, we've got to actually do the work really old-fashioned manually. But um, so yes. Louise has just said we are converted. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. I've got to say, just as a, as a closing thing from my point of view, and Dawn's quite right. I've shut up for long enough now. Um, when Mark said to me, when the first time I went to the business group meeting, and Mark said, oh, podcaster, I need to talk to you. I'm like, oh. This is for women. It's like menopause, marriage, and motherhood. And then he told me what he did, and I'm like, I'm so in. We need to talk. We've got to get the word of this out there because I've never heard of you. So, so grateful. Thank you. No, and thank, thank you so much. Everybody for watching. And yes. we can close it there. Thanks so much, Mark. Yeah, it was really thank, good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for everybody listening as well. I really appreciate that you said through it. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Menopause, Marriage, and Motherhood podcast. Come and join us in our new Facebook group, the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood group, where we'll discuss what happened in this podcast and all the other things that have got to do with midlife. I'll see you there.